Welcome, welcome once again to 720 and 720. I am juiced out of my mind with our next guest. And our next guest got a little head, all right? But but he's been so successful. He is my dear, <laughs> dear, dear friend, uh, former associate head coach at Chattanooga, former head coach at Georgia Southern. And now, you know, it's amazing. We're doing this on a Sunday. Uh, he was He's an assistant at Florida State and just took an L in a heartbreaking way uh, to Duke. Charlton Young, welcome to 720 and 720. Thank you, 720, for having me. How Golly, you listen to that voice. Uh, Charlton Young. Charlton Young was a great player at Georgia Southern. Uh, I had the pleasure to whip in his tail as an assistant at East Tennessee State in the semifinals of the Southern Conference. <laughs> yeah, I, I was sure you was going to add that in there. Yeah, I mean, that ended your college career, did it not? <laughs> My last college game was against East Tennessee State in the semifinals in Asheville, North Carolina. I had 20 points and eight assists. The only reason y'all won the game is because I was in foul trouble. Well, don't think that the, uh, I had a I had my insurance agent was one of those officials. I had a cousin. <laughs> yeah, that's how we rolled, man. We were at East Tennessee State. I it was in Asheville, North Carolina. Tennessee. It was right across the mountain. I came with you to Chattanooga. I said, "Oh, that's what happened." <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I remember that game well. Jason Niblett went crazy. Uh, played really good. I think we got you in overtime or double overtime. Off. He did play well, and Pelfrey got a whole bunch of offensive rebounds. I still see the game every day in slow motion, man. It's, it's tough, your last college game, when you love the game like uh, like we do. Well, you, you absolutely love the game. I got – see, see Charlton Young in the in college basketball world is known as CY, and I, I never called him CY. I always called him Charlton Young because I had great respect for Charlton Young as a player and then as a coach. Uh, when when he left Auburn, when Cliff Ellis left Auburn, we had an opportunity. I became a head coach at Chattanooga. He was my first hire. Uh, he got a huge pay raise from Auburn to Chattanooga at that time. Uh, <laughs> he went from a nice house to to living in the, on the train tracks over at Chattanooga Choo Choo in Ottawa, Tennessee, <laughs> and it was the best year of my coaching career. Well, I, I will say this, and we can talk about this here in a little bit. Uh, Charlton Young came to Chattanooga with the reputation of being a great recruiter and to, in my eyes left Chattanooga being one of the best basketball ball coaches that I'd ever been around. And and he can flat coach the game, uh, definitely a, a great recruiter, loved dinosaurs, and we'll talk about dinosaurs here in a little bit. Uh, but but he left, he left me, went to Georgia Tech, and then became the head coach at Georgia Southern. Uh, and now he's at Florida State. Uh, an Elite Eight run last year, huh? 47 seconds from the final four it was a great year bittersweet you know when you get that close you don't know if you're ever going to get back again but you know we we got plans on on getting back so um it was it was great it was great well we're, we're going to hey, run let's through hurry a... up and talk about 2005 can we please talk about 2005 no we're going to move we're going to move forward we're going to move forward <laughs> all right we're going to move forward on that all right now listen so we're going to hit you. We're going to get some – this podcast is to help, whether it be players or coaches or business leaders, you know. So what what I want to do from you is is you're a little kid from Carroll City, uh, Florida. Uh, who knows who Charlton you? Tell me the keys to try to help some players right here. Tell me the keys of why you were successful as a player. Because you ain't big as – you still weigh probably 128 pounds. Uh, but tell me why you were successful as a basketball player growing up and why you were so successful as a player in college. 
That's that, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I I always knew I wasn't as big and strong uh, as a lot of the other players. Um, I accepted that at a young age. You know, back then you didn't you didn't really lift weights and work at it because the, the, you know everybody thought it was going to mess up your shot. Uh, but I I figured out that preparation was the key. So, you know, I used to go to Risco Park, Bunch Park, Scott Park, to play with the older guys to kind of try to learn earn your respect in the neighborhood as a player. And and they would start playing at, say, like 4.30. And uh, so I would get out there about 3, 2.30, and just get a bunch of shots up. Just get a bunch of shots up. And then, you know, right before the guys came out, I would go get something to drink or whatever and then come back out there like I'm just showing up. <laughs> and so my first six or seven shots would go in the hole. People were like, man, he don't miss. But they didn't ne- they never knew that I was out there two hours before. So as a result of that, I wanted to be the guy so bad. I said, hey, if, if I'm going to be a great player, I'm not jumping over the, the rim. You know, I'm not running guys over. I'm not 6'8". I got to be able to handle the ball and shoot the ball. And I just committed to taking 500 a day, and it it paid off. It took me – I mean, basketball has blessed me so much. It's taken me all over the world. I was in camp with the Clippers and, you know, went to France and uh, been to Australia. I've been to every nook and cranny of the earth because of basketball. And you talk about – you talking about a guy from 27th Avenue and 183rd Street. You know, I, I thought, you know, my goal was to be the first pick at Bunch Park. You know, and it's just amazing, you know, when you commit to the game and you and you work on it, what it can do for your life and the relationships and the lessons it's taught me. Uh, basketball is a beautiful thing. And uh, when, they, when they use that term, ball is life, Ball really is life for me and my family. You know, my wife played. Uh, How does it feel? WNBA Let me just ask you this real quick. How does it feel sure. that you're? You know, you kind of remind me a little bit of Reggie Miller in, in mm-hmm. a other way. You know, because Cheryl was better than Reggie. All right, <laughs> and, and so how does it feel being married to a to a, a lady who was better than you as a player? <laughs> you know what? Here's the way. It's all about perspective, John. You know, the glass is either half empty half full and for me it's always half full and so when I made that decision I lost that one-on-one game on purpose because I knew I would get the jeans so I could have me some lottery picks absolutely absolutely <laughs> now, now Charlton's oldest daughter she's at Michigan um playing at Michigan you, you got with the big blue yeah you probably I mean you got like 17 children so I mean it's <laughs> like the lottery four. the more the more lottery tickets you get the more better chance you got to win it and so that's uh, right that's right you really only need one you get one you're in pretty good shape uh but no I know listen his wife was a, was a, so so a, an absolute stud but so you you're shooting 500 you're you're shooting 500 Js a day 500 a day coach and uh Rain, you know, sunshine, don't matter. Snowing down there in Florida, down in Carroll City, you're getting no, that it's done. Always, it's always hot in Miami, so that, that was that was a blessing. But you know, it, you know, my advice to young players, and and the game has changed. You know, like a guy like uh, the guys like 
nibble it. And, you know, the, if they were coming out now, those guys would have a chance to play at the highest level because it's such a premium on being able to shoot the ball. They play small ball now, you know, undersized four men that can handle and shoot, you know, more combo guards than point guards, you know, guys that can dribble and shoot the ball. Uh, you know, my advice to a young player is if you're not taking 500 jump shots a day, you don't, you don't want to be a pro because if you do, you're going to have a shot to make it. I mean, you think about the kid right there uh, from Tennessee at Belmont, uh, Ian Clark. Yep. Is that his name? Yep. I mean, that kid is an undersized combo. You know, not a great point guard, average handle, but just a dead-eye shooter. And people want shooters to stretch the floor so their superstar player can dominate the ball and, and get in the paint. So uh, my advice to young players is you you, you got to work on your ability to shoot the ball, and that's whether you're a post or, or, or guard now. Well, I, I just got done. I don't even know if you remember Greg Dennis. Greg Dennis just got his number retired. Oh, yeah, great re- retired at ETSU, and yeah. I, I just told Greg. I said, Greg, you came in the wrong era, my friend. Uh, he was oh, a six eleven three man. Oh, he's coming out now. He'd be a lottery pick. Absolutely, because he's a six eleven guy who could see, stretch back then, the floor. We look down on guys like that. Hey, you soft. You don't want to play inside. <laughs> uh, everybody hated him in Johnson yeah. City. Because they're like, why yeah. do you got the big guy playing outside? And, uh, go inside, number 11. Go inside, Greg Dennis. And he looked at me with almost with tears in his eyes one time. He said, Coach, you don't understand. I, I was 6'6". I was a 6'6", three-man. I just happened to grow five inches. Why is everybody yelling at me? I'm not what? a five-man. I'm a three-man. And so and it's, tell, Hey, John, I'll tell you something else. If that guy, if Greg Dennis was coming out right now, there's no way he'd be at East Tennessee State. I'd have signed him so quick at Florida State and make your head spin. We're talking about <laughs> that. Okay, now talking about that. All right, so now now put your put your assistant coaching hat on and your recruiter hat on. Tell young guys, I mean, you go out on the road, you go out on the road, at, what are you looking for? You're watching a game, you're watching an AAU game, you're watching a high school game, you you. Uh, set up 10 at the Arby's Classic and you're watching 12 games in a row. What are you looking for from a player? That's a great question. Um, and, John, I've gotten so much uh, better. That's the thing about basketball. Like, I, I try to – you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been doing it 25 years now. And uh, I haven't always gotten it right. I've gotten a lot of them right, but I haven't always gotten it right. And every year I've been in the profession – uh, I've prided myself uh, on finding diamonds in the rough. Anybody can, you know, identify the McDonald's All-American or what they call now the five-star guy. Uh, and it's hard to recruit those guys. you got to be able to really build a gate around a guy, really build a fence around him and control all the information that goes to him uh, so you can sign that McDonald's All-American guy. Uh, but the way we've survived, even at Florida State, it's early evaluations. And the first thing you do is you go in and you evaluate their character. That's number one. You know, number one, you say, is, is he high energy? Because low energy guy gets, guys get you fired. Is he high energy? Is he a gym rat? And is he a championship person? Those are the first three questions I ask myself when I watch a kid. And, I, you know, again, 
been coaching 25 years, so I can go watch a kid young age and I can tell who has it, the way they run, the way they communicate with their coaches, the way they communicate with their teammates. You know, I like to watch practice more than I like to watch games, you know, because it'll never, it'll never change, John. Championship people win championships, you know. Championship, championship people win championships. I want a guy that's going to be a surefire, surefire NBA first-round pick. Or I want a guy that's going to own Starbucks or be a principal. Either one I'll take. (laughs) For example, Casey Long. Casey Long wasn't a pro. But I was I was ready to fight you in staff meetings because I knew <laughs> that guy would be a GM or a head coach or a principal somewhere. He was the only guy I knew. Let me just tell you something. We went to an NCAA tournament, me and you, starting a point guard who couldn't dribble. <laughs> because 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 his character was he flawless. Was a he was a winner. He was a winner. He was, he a, was winner. a champion. He he showed up. He was a winner. I'm so proud of him. His, Every time he, I see him on the road, I give him a hug. I almost start crying when I see that kid. You need to tell him but to start eating back. some veggies. So, so you need to, to tell him to start eating some vegetables so he can lose some weight so he can look the part again. He's gained a couple pounds now. I had to get on him about that, too. But his character but, uh, his character and his championship energy, he, he brought in a consistent day in, day out. That's the first thing you got to evaluate. Is he high energy? Is he a championship person? And is he a gym rat? Because you know what? And that's the other thing about Casey. I was so long. He was a gym rat. See, a lot of these guys don't love the game, John. And if you sign a guy that comes in your program that's lazy, he's going to take two or more, two or three more guys with him. So now once you evaluate the character, now you get to me, for me, I want dinosaurs, size at position. Don't bring me somebody short and strong. Bring me somebody long that I can make strong. You understand <laughs> what I'm saying, Coach? <laughs> that makes sense. So I want a size at position, then athletic ability, then skill. Really, skill is third because if he's a gym rat, I can get him the skill because I'm going to be in the gym with him twice a day. I'm going to be in there before practice. I'm going to be in there after practice. We're going to get him better. It's just a matter of does he have the character to want it. I mean, you look at a guy like Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is one of the best, one of the top four players on planet Earth. Coach, he averaged 14 and 9 at San Diego State. <laughs> he didn't play at UCLA. He didn't play at USC. But he was 6, 7 and a quarter, 228. They say he couldn't handle it. He couldn't shoot it. But he was a gym rat. Now he worked on his game. He worked on his handle. Six years later, the boy's getting 40 a game in, in the playoffs. And those are the kind of guys that you got to find where their best basketball is ahead of them. It's not what he is, it's what he's going to be. You understand what I'm saying? I walk in the gym and I look at a young kid and I say, ah, he only got two strings on his chin. 
16, gonna grow about another inch and a half, two inches, eat some whoppers, do some push-ups, pro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep, yep, yep. But I think, I, which, you know, and, and especially, because uh, this is trying to help high school coaches too, and, and what hopefully what people are getting out of this is is you find kids with high energy uh, that will show up every single day. Those are the guys you want to be around. Those are the guys no that you want in your program. Low energy guys who are talented. Those get you fired because some days they look great, and some days they don't feel like being there. And, Coach, and Walmart that, is a great job, but I don't want to work there. You'll get fired and be working at Walmart signing low-energy guys. You understand what I'm saying, Coach? You, I'm just telling you, you got to get high-energy guys. I go to practice when I'm recruiting a kid, right? And I'm sitting and I'm watching. And I watch a guy in practice, and they got to run a sprint or suicide. And I see kids that will run all the way down the court, all the way down the court, and they'll get three yards from the end of the court and a turn and go the other way and don't touch the line because I, 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 I'm gone. Because a guy who will run the entire court and stop at 92 feet and not touch the line, something wrong with his mind. He ain't going to be successful, Coach. I'm 47 years old with a bad back. If I run all the way down the court, as tired as I get, I'm still going to stick my leg out and touch the line. My mind ain't going to let me not touch the line. That makes sense to you. Oh, I I just want to give you a hug right now because <laughs> because you're helping, you know, you're helping young guys. All right, so so you're a high school coach and now you got a talented guy that won't go touch the line. All right? And so and he's your best player on the team. He's 15 years old. You're coaching JV. Uh you but he's your best player. If you don't have mm-hmm. him, you can't win a JV game in, in whatever league. How are you going to deal with that guy? What can you do with that guy? Coach, the biggest thing you can do for him is take him to the highest level and let him see it. You know, I'm not a I'm not a proponent of cutting your nose off to spite your face. Now, for me, that's probably why I got fired as a head coach at Georgia Southern. I lose. <laughs> I'd rather lose than than let the kid get away yeah. with those little things. And, because you got to you know, be able to sleep you, at night because you're going to do the right thing. Right. you got to be able to sleep. you get older and more mature, you, you get better at managing. I think back when I took the job at Georgia Southern, you know, I'm the youngest Division One head coach in the country. I'm 37, and I fought every battle. You know what I mean? And that's a tough one because if he's your most talented kid, you got to find a way to get him around guys at the highest level and say, okay, you're talented for this level. But if you're going to go where you want to go, if you don't change these little character things, you're going to be playing at a Division Two or Division Three instead of the ACC. Now, that's okay. You know, every level is great, Division One, Division Two. You know, as long as you get a free education, I'm all for it. But nothing is sadder in the world than wasted talent and underachieving. You understand what I'm saying? Well, we've seen it. We've seen it our whole career. Me and you chased the whole we, career. Me, last I mean, time I checked, me and you chased a guy in Huntsville, Alabama. We're supposed to meet at a Popeyes fried chicken, and they never showed. Remember that? Should have been a pro coach. 
Remember that. Sugar we're not going. We're not going to say names. We're not going to say names. But if he'd have met us at Popeyes or Church's Fried Chicken that day, he may have been in the league. And because he was that good. Absolutely. Uh, all right. All right. Talk to us. Help out the next CY. Help out the, the next guy coming out of college, the next Casey Long. Help out these young guys who want to be coaches, um, whether they be black or white. That part don't matter to me. Help out mm-hmm. these young guys. Give them some keys and give them some of your tips. Because let me just tell you something. You, you've been in the business forever and very mm-hmm. successful at it. And uh, you'll be a head coach again if you want. You'll be in the NBA if you want. Uh, right. Help help some of these young guys. What do they need to do? I, I think here's young guys that want to get in college coaching. Uh, and I'm glad you said whether black or white because I'm, I'm with you. I don't see color either, and I want to see guys be successful. You are black, right? And, and, and yeah, and, that's why and I, I remember. Think, <laughs> you know, I, I think the, the the stereotype that uh, Caucasian coaches. Our X's and O guys and African American guy coaches are recruiters. Uh, I think that has to stop. You understand what I'm saying? You were a unbelievable recruiter. You know, to be honest with you, that's why I took the chance to come there and work with you because I knew you and I together we were going to get something done. You know what I mean? I mean, at that time, you know, I could have gone to Virginia Tech. I could have gone to Texas A&M. I came there because. Number one, you respected me as a coach and gave me an opportunity to be your associate head coach, and I'm forever indebted to you for that. But you were a phenomenal recruiter, and you had I had somebody with me that I know I could close, that, that, that I could get in front of a family, and they would trust me, and they would trust you as the head coach. But back to the original, the original question, uh, I think the most important thing for young coaches – Number one is they understand the more you give, the more you receive. It's the first thing you learn in the Bible. The more you give, the more you receive. So I have a lot of young coaches that call me and they say, okay, you know, help me get a job, help me get a job, help me get a job, help me get a job. But they never call and help me with anything. When I was a young coach, I would call high major coaches mid-major coaches, low-major coaches, and I would say, hey, I saw a freshman over in Charlotte that nobody knows about. That's a high-major player. I know his people. I'm going to help you. (laughs) Then I would call the mid-major coaches and say, listen, I saw a mid-major plus high-major minus player over in Miami that nobody's on. I know the kid. I'm going to help you. And so that's how I built my reputation in the business because I wasn't really trying to get a coaching job. I was always trying to help, help somebody. You know what I'm saying? So now how do you help somebody? How do you have the ability to help somebody? Number one, you got to master recruiting and evaluating because I say master recruiting. The recruiting is part is important, but the ability to evaluate is almost more important than being able to recruit. And when I say evaluate, being able to go in a gym, sit all day, put your eyes on a kid that might not be ranked that high or may not be on the list, and that kid becomes a high-level player. That makes sense to you? Well, you've done it your whole career. 
Yeah, I've done it at Florida State. Well, I mean, you yeah, know, you've, got, you know, you've gotten some really good ACC ones. Program, John, people look at us, but I'm going to tell you, human nature is a beast, and human people buy with their eyes. People buy with their eyes. So if I got a big-time player and I got to go to head-to-head with, you know, the Blue Bloods and some of these other big-time programs, if they go to their place and then they come to ours, they're going to those places. So I got to strike early. I got to build a relationship. And I got to decipher through people and find big-time players that buy with their heart. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. And they're far and few between. But, you know, for example, we've signed some pros in the last couple of years. You know, Dwayne Bacon, Malik Beasley, Jonathan Isaac. You know, these guys are pros. And when we first evaluated them, those guys wasn't even on the list. You know, we locked into them in the ninth and 10th grade. And we put the hurricane shutters up. So when the hurricane came, we could fight it off. (laughs) But... You know, if we don't get to guys first, okay, if we don't get to guys first and build a relationship, at Florida State, we still don't have a shot. And uh, these kids we have in the program now, a lot of them are, are diamonds in the rough that weren't ranked that high, but then they they develop. They high-character kids, guys who, after basketball, who are going to be agents. They're going to be police officers. They're going to be leaders in their communities. They just bring success. I'm so proud of the guys that we have now in the program. Phil Colfer, uh, Terrence Mann. Uh, these guys are, are uh, blue-collar construction workers and plumbers, hard, just hard-working guys. Mm-hmm that never got the national acclaim that have gotten better here. And now, you know, we're, we're a legitimate top 10 program. So um, if I, if I'm, if, if a young coach is listening to this, I would master, master the recruiting, understand every level, understand what, understand that every program needs a player. That's one league better than them. So when we were at Chattanooga in the Southern Conference, I was trying to sign an A-10 Conference USA player. If somebody called us and said, hey, coach, see why? I got a player that could play in your league. I hung up on him. You ain't my friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if I'm in Conference USA and I'm in the A-10, then I got to sign a guy that's a low-level SEC, ACC player. And if I'm in the ACC – I got to sign a pro. And the quicker you understand that as a young coach, the quicker you'll become successful. Well, I think it still goes back to what you're saying. Talent talent is one thing. And, and after talking to a bunch of co- – you, you got to get guys who you can coach. You can't get um, – you know, and some guys can coach idiots and some guys can't coach idiots. All right, mm-hmm. it, it, and when I say idiots, I'm talking about, you know, I mean, we're all idiots when we're 22-year-old guys, uh, but some are more than others. But you got to be able to coach who you can coach. But if you can find guys and that, that you can be around who are high-energy guys who will bring it every day, I mean, it's still talent's overrated if you don't bring that energy. Guys that want to be something in life, 
They want to be successful. They want to be something when the ball starts bouncing, when it stops bouncing. I mean, that's that's the that's that's the key. You know, that that's the key. Guys that want to be successful in life. How do they? How do they? Give me give me some ideas how a young guy can connect. Uh, let's say he's coming out of college. Uh, let's say let's say he's a manager at at IU. How can these guys connect and get you know get relationships? What can they do to get started? in uh coaching college ball um i i think they got to be at every event in the summer you know you got to go see as many games as you can in the summer on your own dime i think that you got to find uh any professional development symposium in basketball and you got to go and just build relationships obviously you need to get in the car with your buddies like we used to back in the day all pile up in one room and go out to the go out to the final four and 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 meet as many people as you can uh, but the biggest thing is constantly find ways to build relationships uh, in the summer you know these major cities there's always events going uh, you got to go in there and watch players and work on your crafts and while you're out there you got to introduce yourself to every coach that you can and say, hey, that's connect. Let me learn from you. How can I help you? And just start building a relationship that way. Well, you need to actually put a, a conference on because you're the you. Actually, you rivaled me. Uh, we'd go to the Final Four. We almost knew about the same amount of people, and that was everybody in the everybody knew CY. Uh, <laughs> everybody loved CY, uh, and and um. You know, I, I thought bringing you in, I was like, boy, he, he can really help us recruit. And I, But I'll tell you this, you got to be able to do more than just recruit. And uh, no you were, I, I remember you looked at me, we, we, we went to Canada early and we had those two a days. I like two a days. We had those two a days and you looked at me after, I think, our fourth practice. And you were like, coach, are you going you gonna to let me do this all year? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, well, like, coach, like, coach. I was like, "Why do you think you? Why do you think we brought you in here? Like to recruit?" I was like, uh. I was like, "You can coach. You were as good a coach as anybody in the country. You you brought well, us belief. Is. You brought us belief, and you coached those kids. I mean, like I said, you coached Casey Casey Long. Casey Long could not dribble. He was our starting point guard. We went to the NCAA tur- tournament with a point guard who couldn't dribble." And so, uh, but, but what, what you brought us today is a couple really big points. Um, and, and, you know, with, with the success you've had and, uh, the players that you're looking for, you know, it, same thing in high school, uh, high school coaches, go play the guy that brings the most energy. Go play. Even if he can't play dead, find a spot for him. Find somewhere for him. Because then if he gets to play and he brings energy every day, then the rest of those clowns will say, man, he's playing and he ain't any good. But he brings energy every day. Now everybody will start bringing it. And and, and eventually that guy is going to get better. Well, they can't. They can't. If, if you work, if you work right. on your game, you have to get better if you spend time in the gym. So, so listen, I know uh, it – when I watch the game, when I watch y'all's game, two things. Number one, I know you're heartbroken because you should have beaten Duke uh, at home. But two, it should probably give you, uh, your team, unbelievable belief that you all are back to the same level y'all were at last year. Uh, no question. And, and, and we, you know, 
our program has changed. I mean, we're at the point where we're, we believe we can win a national championship. Uh, I, you know, I, that's our goal. And, um, we're, we're fighting, you know, for people to put respect on our name as coaches, as a program, as players. And, you know, the truth is nobody cares. You know what I mean? Frank Kearns used to tell me that all the time. Nobody <laughs> cares. See why? <laughs> I miss my man. He was right. And the, nobody the, cares. The coach, unless you win. The coach, and, I know, uh, unless you win. The coach in me, and, and, and I think if you watch your, your tape, and I, I, re, I, I did some rewinding of it to show my youngest, and I said, here they are, up one, uh, miss free throw. Uh, I, I used to work, and I used to drive a guy's crazy. We used to work on free throw box outs. And, and, and I said, more, so, uh, more you, games. You, you, you don't know how many times we've. More games are won and lost. Cried, rebound the ball with two hands. Yep. Pinch the guys inside. You know, it's just when you get in the game on national TV, the crowd is going crazy. The lights are on. Big Vitale is there. You just, human nature is a beast. Oh. You're going to have some game slippage. What, what, you uh, know, the biggest thing is we're going to learn from that. And when we get in that situation down the line, we'll be ready for it. And that's what happened to us last year. I mean, we had some major bumps and bruises last season. We were 9-9 nine and nine ACC. But let me tell you something. We got to the NCAA tournament, and uh, we were ready because we faced gorillas every yeah. night, every Thursday and Saturday. You play, it's harder to win an ACC championship than it is to win a national title. Yeah, you don't I, believe I, that, dude. I, no, I can see that. I can see it, but, but you make it. We got out of the ACC last year, John, and we got into the NCAA tournament. We was like, "Woo, thank you." Well, <laughs> what, but what you just said, and I want, I want, I want all coaches to learn it. And we talk about it. You don't win or lose in the regular season. You win mm-hmm. or you win or learn. So if you mm-hmm. lose that game, if you can learn from that, and, and say, "Listen, when, when we work on free throw box downs, we're not just doing this for the for the." Crap of it. Hey, John, just like I used to whisper in your ear, your first year as a head coach on that bus, we got to be happy, hugging, and singing, come by, y'all, in March. <laughs> and you know what? Do not uh, lose your team in November. Hey. Remember I say that? Uh, hey, when we're up three, when we're up three, all oh, Chris Paul and Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament, uh, and but we were hugging and we were happy and hugging in that locker room, weren't we? <laughs> Up three, up three, with, until LeBron came right behind our bench and screwed up our guys. Uh, but those were great times, and that's another thing. This is a journey. Basketball and life's a journey. And what basketball, you say, ball is like basketball is a very small community. Uh, you, we think it's big, but you know, I you got an East Tennessee white redneck John Shulman, uh, blood brothers with a African American crazy man down at Carroll City. <laughs> Charlton no Young and through basketball we're blood brothers and uh no I, I'm the only white man that's ever been in that neighborhood and gotten out of there alive <laughs> which you took me correct you was with me man you're gonna be good so I, I was good <laughs> I was good see granny down there hey listen I love you I appreciate your time you're awesome we're rooting for you uh box out on that free throw line next time and and go go win a special one but no we're cheering for you and we appreciate your time today John, kiss the wife and babies for me. I know they're all grown up. I appreciate it, man. And uh, always good to hear your voice. Call me more often. All right, man. Love you, buddy. Take care. Love you, too.